Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage, the podcast about New Hampshire legislation that might not make the news, but still could impact you. Every year, the New Hampshire legislature considers over a thousand proposals about new laws and changes to old ones. We break down the unbiased facts, pros and cons, and tell you how to get involved. I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count. And I'm Mike Dunbar, Content Editor for Citizens Count. This month, the New Hampshire House of Representatives will vote on a measure prohibiting landlords from discriminating against renters who use Section 8 housing vouchers. While the bill got a thumbs down from the committee that worked on it, the House could still decide to pass it anyway. If that legislation becomes law, it could have a really big impact on New Hampshire's low-income renters and landlords. So, Anna, some of our listeners may not be familiar with how housing vouchers work in the first place, so can you tell us a bit about them? Sure. The Federal Housing Choice Voucher Program, commonly known as Section 8, provides very low-income families, the elderly, and people with disabilities a voucher for rent. The program pays the landlord directly for the amount of the voucher, and then if actual rent exceeds the voucher amount, the renter will pay the landlord the difference. Right. Okay. So that in and of itself sounds pretty straightforward, although I'm sure there are plenty of complexities under the surface that we'll touch on in this episode. So what's the deal with this new bill and how could it affect someone who's on Section 8? HB 1291, proposed by Durham Democrat Rep. Kim Kenny, makes it unlawful to deny a rental unit to a prospective tenant on the basis that they receive a housing voucher. The bill also shores up some potential loopholes. So, for example, it makes clear that landlords wouldn't be responsible for denying a tenant if the rent for the unit was higher than what the voucher is for under the housing authority. And landlords also wouldn't be held responsible for denying a Section 8 tenant if the unit fails to meet the housing quality standards laid out by the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development. I looked at those, and so the standards include, for example, how many electrical outlets and windows each room has to have. Right, right. Okay, so what would happen if a landlord violated this new law? The law amends New Hampshire's law against discrimination. So if a renter was denied an apartment solely because they were using a Section 8 voucher, the renter could file a complaint against the landlord with the State Human Rights Commission, similar to if they were denied because of their race or religion or familial status and so on. Right. And there's obviously a broader context to this discussion when it comes to New Hampshire. So it's no secret that affordable housing is in very short supply in the Granite State. And there is a long wait to receive housing assistance, with many waiting as long as five to nine years just to get onto that assistance program after they apply. So once a renter receives their housing voucher, they only have between 30 and 90 days to find an apartment, which is just, uh, that amazed me. So they have to wait five yeah, years. Yeah, that was something new for me. Yeah, they have to wait five years, which sounds like it's, you know, that's kind of the standard and then it can go as long as nine years. But they have to wait like five years just to get the assistance after they apply. And then if they don't find a place in like a month or two, they just forfeit the money. As if that weren't difficult enough, many landlords explicitly state on rental advertisements they don't accept Section 8 recipients. So uh, that could explain why last year, out of 1,581 vouchers, 294 of those expired without ever being used, according to the New Hampshire Housing Finance Authority. Right. And that starts to get us into the pros and cons of this bill. So supporters of HB 1291 argue that it's unfair to discriminate against a tenant based on whether or not the government subsidizes their rent. So putting it in that advertisement right up front saying no Section 8. It's right. Because you landlords can either pay for it or you can't. Why does it matter? Exactly. Where the money so and the bill yeah. doesn't state that landlords are required to rent to someone with a housing voucher. So they could still screen them by 
doing criminal background checks, references, questions about pets, all that sort of stuff. Right. HB 1291 would just stop landlords from denying people solely based on their Section 8 status, just as they can't deny someone based purely on their skin color. Right. And I like how they filled the loophole in the bill saying you can't just find like the most expensive apartment in town and say, I'm on Section 8, you have yeah. to accept me. And <laughs> at the public hearing for this bill, proponents offered other arguments that people unfamiliar with Section 8 might not have been thinking of. So for example, this bill could have a really big impact on New Hampshire's disability community, since many of the people who receive Section 8 housing vouchers experience disabilities. Yeah, that I, I thought that was a really interesting point too, because I think when you think of Section 8, you immediately think of low-income renters, but you know that can include elderly people, that can include you know people with disabilities as well. So as with so many well-intentioned bills, there are some possible unintended consequences that may not be as obvious as the pro-arguments. I thought it was interesting watching the public hearing for this bill that a landlord got up to speak against the bill, and this landlord already accepts Section 8 recipients. He just doesn't want to be forced to do so, and he doesn't want other landlords to be forced to do so who may not want to, and he gave some reasons why. So for one, it could be a burden on landlords, and not necessarily because of the tenants, but because of the bureaucratic red tape that comes with accepting people who have these vouchers. So the program requires landlords to fill out extra forms, modify their existing leases, and it offers little protection if renters break their leases. The housing authority doesn't actually sign on to the lease. So if the renter breaks the lease, the housing authority says to the landlord, oh, that's between you and this renter. You know, it's it's not exactly a fair comparison to say that a uh, Section 8 recipient is exactly the same right. as a normal renter. Right. Another interesting argument that speaks to unintended consequences is, okay, so maybe this could actually make housing less affordable because you and I talked about how they don't have to rent their expensive apartment to a Section 8 tenant, right? So maybe landlords will just raise rates for everyone, mm. just raise the rent and make it even harder for anyone who is low income, whether or not they have a Section 8 voucher to apply. Mm -hmm. Then you get, all right, so if obviously New Hampshire has a housing shortage, affordable housing in particular shortage. So what would you do instead of a bill like this? Well, opponents say the answer lies with the state housing authority and the federal government not forcing landlords to do something. So maybe there should be more subsidized housing development, more money for vouchers, or maybe there could be some sort of way to incentivize landlords to accept Section 8 vouchers instead of just saying they have to. Right, yeah, and that's an interesting distinction too, is that there are buildings that are specifically built to be Section 8, so you could have more of that rather than necessarily forcing all landlords to take Section 8 vouchers. So this bill was given a thumbs down by its committee in an 11 to 10 vote. If you don't live and breathe this stuff, it may not be totally clear what that means. It might sound like the bill is dead, but that's actually not true. The committee's vote was basically a recommendation for how the full House should vote on the bill. But the House of Representatives will still get a chance to vote, and they're going to vote on this soon. They're under no obligation to follow that committee's recommendation. So therefore, whether you side with proponents of the bill or the opponents, you still have time to contact your legislators and tell them how you think they should vote on HB 1291. And you can get started by visiting citizenscount.org slash elected officials to learn who represents you and how to contact them. And with that, it's time for Only in New Hampshire. Anna, hit me with some uh, Grand State trivia. Okay, so we talk about how many bills legislatures consider every year. Some of them are a bit 
off the beaten path, we could say colorful mm -hmm. maybe. So I was going through some historical notes and I found a note, a gem back in 1943 during World War II. On May 17th, a New Hampshire legislator tried to introduce a bill in the state house to dump all conscientious objectors on an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> which is like one of those things where it's just like, yeah, this this is just an opinion bill. This is not a reality bill. So the funny, I was able to find like a whole house journal and was like trying to go through and like what exactly, I was really hoping to find some juicy debate that went back and forth of like people talking about what was going on, which conscientious objectors at the time. Mm -hmm. But it looks like basically May 17th, that would have been a really late introduction. So the house basically said, yeah, no, we're not going to, we're not going to even consider your late legislation. Just, just go sit down. So the, the bill did not pass. The bill oh. did not even get like a, a formal introduction or debate. But, you know, there, there's always at least one legislator that has a really, really unique, shall we say, idea any given year. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like this kind of thing could be proposed like next year, too. Like, I feel like there's always a handful of bills that are kind of like just wacky on their face, but they get introduced. Speaking of, I, I don't know if everyone is curious, but I have in our very first episode this season, I, I brought up how there was a bill related to hot dog condiments. And I just want to let everyone know that I have been following that closely. Good, and good. maybe we will do an episode in the, the future. But but yeah, the short version is you can't have like a, a hot chili or a hot sauerkraut, like anything that requires like cooking. It can't be at a hot dog stand. It has to be in like pre-packaged prepared somewhere else containers. So, um, you know, very important hot dog debate. I will keep you all apprised if there are important developments. Yeah. And there, as with all of these, there's got to be a story behind that. So I would be interested in hearing what the story was. That said, that wraps it up for today's episode, but you can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd like to thank the Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Grand State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music was composed by me, Mike Dunbar. And lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part of what makes New Hampshire by the people for the people.